May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. It is uh, good to be back with you on the Lord's Day. I appreciate all of your prayers and the patience that you have shown towards me and my family uh, this week as I've dealt with the effects of vertigo. Um, I wanted to say that I did laugh a little bit on Monday, not Sunday, but on Monday as I reflected back at how it might have looked to everyone. I tell you, what you looked like to me last week was a bunch of people caught in a tornado or hurricane. It was like you were moving uh, up and down in circles. Um, but thankfully, we made it through all of that, and I think I'm on, my, on the road to recovery at least. I'm a bit woozy, so I'm probably going to sit here in just a moment. But I want to introduce our message today by saying that I'd like to pick up some of the pieces that we left behind last week and add a few things to it and then see what was left out and then what we can gain by adding some things to the sermon from last week. Again, I want us to see in Luke chapter 2 that the old meets the new. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to meet an elderly woman who played a brief yet important role in the life of Jesus. And then we're going to see how Jesus plays an important role in our life. We will meet him in the temple just as this elderly woman did. If you are willing and able, I invite you to please stand for the reading of God's holy word from Luke 2, 36 to 38. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Jesus to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God bless the reading, the hearing, and the preaching of His Word. And all God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. When I started my preaching ministry way back in 1994, I was required to teach an adult Bible class and preach twice every Sunday. I was required to teach a women's Bible study on Tuesdays, or maybe Thursdays, I can't remember now. I was also required to teach a youth class on Wednesday night. And on top of all of that, I was also required to visit the sick and the shut-ins and do as much evangelism as possible. So as you can imagine, in those days, I was stretched out and struggled to keep it all together. There were a couple of old maids in the church that stirred up lots and lots of trouble for me, and they gave me lots of grief. I cannot tell you how many times they went to the elders to complain about something I had said or something I had done, or more likely something I had not done and overlooked to say. So they were constantly reporting my doctrinal misstatements and missteps to the elders. The thing I do remember is that they were unpleasant women. And even the elders knew that they were impossible to please. On the other hand, there were several other women in the church who supported me and my little family 
with deep love and devotion. In those days, we only had Kennedy, and then Dagan was coming on the way. These women helped us, uh, they helped us in a lot of ways. They helped us raise our babies. They fed us meals. They picked up pecans out of our yard on the halves. They gave me home remedies for my sore throat, and they nudged me forward in the ministry. I wish I could tell you all their names, and I wish you could see their faces, but to do so would, to, would be to take up too much of our time today. So I just want to mention the name of one of those older women in particular. Her name was Faye Norman. She was advanced in age, probably as much as Anna the prophetess. And at the end of nearly every service, she would come up to me out in the foyer. She would take my hand in hers and look me in the eye and say, keep trying. (laughs) And that's what I've been trying to do ever since. Keep trying. Well, as we dive into the story, I want to remind you of at least two reasons why Luke shined a spotlight on Anna in this story. I mentioned this last week, but to refresh your memory, here we go. The first thing is that Luke wants us to see that an era is drawing to a close. It's the era of the Law and the Prophets. And he shows us this by depicting the best representatives of that era, Simeon and Anna. He shows them as aged and at the point of death. They are passing away like the era of the law and the prophets. Second thing is that Luke wants to illustrate that there is no conflict between the law and the prophets and the new age of the Messiah in bringing in the gospel. He shows us this by depicting these most devout people under the old era as the most receptive to the new era. Simeon and Anna do not become resentful and angry that the Messiah has come. Not even that he will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Rather, they rejoice that the new thing has come. In other words, Luke wants us to see that in Christ, the old meets the new and sings for joy. The law and the prophets meet the gospel and give thanks. Why? Because in Christ, the Word of God is fulfilled, not abolished, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Old meets new. Let's meet the old. Here's Anna. Advanced in years, at least 84 years old. An elderly woman by our standards, but especially by the standards of her time. In Greek, her name is Anna. But in Hebrew, her name is Hannah, which means grace or favor. She was probably named after Hannah, the young, barren, married woman who became the mother of Samuel the prophet. Well, like the first Hannah, we meet Anna in the temple in Jerusalem, the city of God's peace. But in that city, at that time, there was no peace. There is no comfort. Israel was uncomfortable and inconsolable. You see, for the past 450 years, Israel had experienced one conflict after another. 
After the Babylonian exile, the Jews returned to Judah and Jerusalem. And they rebuilt their temple, they resettled villages and cities. But still there was no comfort and no consolation. The Greeks came and invaded the land and desecrated their temple. And after the Greeks, the Romans came and occupied the land. And they oppressed the people with their intimidating military presence and their intense tax burdens. There was no comfort and there was no consolation in Israel. And then to make matters worse, many of the religious leaders were secularized and politicized. Some were functional deists at best. They believed that God set all things in motion and then went on a permanent vacation in a galaxy far, far away. Others were functional atheists at worst. They believed that God was not even real. And that only the material, the physical, and the, uh, the tangible mattered. So you see, there is no comfort and no consolation in Israel. But Anna stands out in sharp contrast to all of that. Anna was a prophetess. That means that she was either the wife of a prophet or that she herself was a female prophet. And since we learn in the story that she was a widow, guess what it makes her? A female prophet. And like the typical prophet, Anna is radically God-centered. She's devoting herself and her life to worshiping God with fasting and praying. And not only that, as we're going to see in a moment, she also told other people about God, just like a typical prophet. She did not depart from the temple. She worshiped God with evening and morning prayer. So undoubtedly, one of the ways that Anna worshiped God was by singing the Psalms. In the scriptures, praying and singing go hand in hand. You'll have to trust me on that or we'd have a whole side sermon going on here. But praying and singing go hand in hand. So as I thought about what it must have been like for Anna to live at the temple, to devote herself to worship, to pray evening and morning, I imagine Anna walking around singing the Psalms, reciting the Psalms, but praying the Psalms. And one of the Psalms that she was likely to sing would be Psalm 71. So of all the Psalms I could select, I'm going to camp out on this one. Psalm 71. See how it fits in nicely with the story of Anna. Imagine Anna singing, I have been as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. O oh God, be not far from me. O oh my God, make haste to help me. Imagine Hannah, Anna singing that song. And then all of a sudden coming upon the presence of the baby Jesus with Mary and Joseph. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Anna was probably named after Hannah. And there are some interesting connections that you can make between their stories. The first Hannah received a son and took him to the temple to dwell in the presence of the Lord. But this last Hannah dwelled in the temple and came into the presence of the Lord and welcomed his son. The first Hannah lent her son to the Lord, but the last Hannah 
gave, but the Lord gave his last son, sorry, the Lord gave his son to the last Hannah, and she gave thanks and spoke about him to all who were waiting for redemption. Does that make sense? The first Hannah lent her son to the Lord, but the Lord gave his son to the last Hannah. So the old story of Hannah resolves in the new story of grace unto grace in Jesus Christ. Now, Anna the prophetess had been waiting, waiting for this moment all her life. And then when the time is just right, she got what she had asked for so many times before. Grace in the form of a son, favor in the face of a boy. Well, to misquote something from the Lord of the Rings, we might say that grace is like a wizard. It never arrives too soon, nor does it arrive too late. It arrives precisely when it means to. And grace arrives to Anna when she is 84 years old at the temple. Now Luke tells us that when she encountered Jesus, she began to give thanks to God and to speak about Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This response did not come out of nowhere. It grew out of Anna's faithful service and devotion to God. As I said earlier, in my imagination, Anna is singing the Psalms. In one of the Psalms, she might have been singing or praying with Psalm 71. See how it would fit nicely at this part of the story. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. Even to my old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. Your power to all those to come. Now Luke does not tell us how the people at the temple reacted to Anna's preaching. It's likely that some people thought she's just that crazy old lady who lives at the temple. There might have been some who actually paused to look at the baby Jesus and perhaps even gaze upon his poor parents. And maybe some pondered these things in their hearts like Mary did. But whatever the case, Anna did what she could to testify about the Redeemer and to tell others about Jesus. What I want us to notice is that she was far more concerned about his fame and reputation than her own. Anna is truly a remarkable woman. Unlike so many people who struggle just to make it to one worship service, one day a week, one hour that day, Anna worshiped God with fasting and prayer, evening and morning. You see in her life that rhythm is setting the worship, or worship is setting the rhythm of her life experience. Her life experience is not setting the rhythm of her worship. A pastor friend of mine shared this challenging quote on Facebook a few days ago. It's from a book he's reading on prayer. It's worth sharing with you since it challenged me and misery loves company. I want to uh, pass it on to you so we can all commiserate together. 
We who will get up and walk or even run miles in the mornings will not, cannot, do not rise in the mornings to greet the dawn with a song of praise on our lips, as did those who went before us. We who will stay up late to watch the televised version of the news that we heard on our drive home at 6, who will TiVo enough must-see television that we have to stay up late to keep it on, who will not go to sleep without reading a novel, who will burn the candle at both ends and in the middle if we can figure out how to get it lit, will not end our days with praise and worship and confession and blessing. We will not do these things in the name of love or discipline, devotion or worship. And this is astonishing. So what's our excuse today? What will it be tomorrow or this week? Unlike so many who struggle to talk about Jesus, even in their own community or perhaps even in their own family, Anna spoke freely and openly to her community about Jesus. Anna was a single woman, an elderly widow, but that did not keep her from the temple or from worshiping God. It did not keep her from praying night and day or from giving thanks. And it did not keep her from Jesus or from telling others about him. I think when you look at Anna's life, you see a woman who is looking for reasons to do all of these things, not for excuses to not do them. So what's our excuse today? What will it be tomorrow? I wonder what it will be this coming week. In Anna, you see a woman who did not wallow in self-pity, not even in her old age. She did not walk around singing, When I get older, losing my hair. <laughs> Many years from now. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 84? She did not retire from loving and serving God's people as if she had done her time. Nor was she put out to pasture as if she had nothing else worth sharing or giving. Anna was a living and active, permanent fixture at the temple. And she was among the first to receive the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and to rejoice in Him. Anna is truly a remarkable woman. Now, to be fair, when I say to be fair, I hope you don't take it to mean to let you off the hook. <laughs> But to be fair, there's nothing in the story that says that you have to live and move and act like Anna did. You'd be a fool not to. But there's nothing in the story that commands you to do it. I simply want to remind you of a biblical principle. We are called throughout God's Word to imitate the faith of the faithful ones who came before us to follow them as they follow Christ. So take heed. With that in mind, I want to urge you who are getting older. Keep going to the temple. Keep going to the temple to worship and pray and to seek Jesus. Keep going to church to love and serve others. 
especially those who are younger than you. Keep participating in your missional communities so that you may speak good words to young parents and that you may bless their children. Keep giving thanks and keep telling others about Jesus with your words and with your life. Do all of these things and it will keep you from becoming angry, bitter, and critical as you get older. And I want to urge you who are younger to follow in the steps of godly and faithful men and women who are older than you. Not just because they've torn more pages off of the calendar than you have, but because they are godly and faithful saints who have endured the trials and the tests of this life. Do this and you will persevere all the way to the end by grace through faith in Jesus, just as they are doing. Well, we've met the old, now let's meet the new. Let's meet Jesus. Like Anna, we meet Jesus here in the temple. And in meeting Jesus, we meet the one who will definitely praise Psalm 71 with his life. How do I know that? I know that because the Psalms are the songs of Jesus. They're about Jesus. They're songs that point to Jesus. They're prayers that he would have offered. They're things that he would have learned as a devout covenant member of God's people. But I want you to imagine with me what it would be like for Jesus to sing Psalm 71 with his life. What would it sound like? If he sang Psalm 71 in his life, in his incarnation. O Lord, you are my hope, my trust. O Lord, from my youth, upon you I've learned from Upon you I've leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. Praise, praise continually to you. He was seeing Psalm 71 in his crucifixion. My enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. He was seeing Psalm 71 in his resurrection. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and my comfort again. And he was seeing Psalm 71 in his ascension. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me harm. Like Anna, we meet Jesus, the Redeemer who brings redemption to all who are watching and waiting for redemption. We meet Jesus, who is the light who pierces the darkness, the Savior who rescues the perishing, the Comforter who embraces the hurting. We meet Jesus, who is the hope who shatters despair, the peace who calms anxiety, the love who drives away fears. Jesus is the Redeemer for all who watch and wait for redemption, including you. 
In this story, we see that the law and prophets say, Jesus was born for you. He was circumcised for you. He was dedicated to God for you. He was offered up for you. And the gospel echoes that and says, yes, he is your consolation. He is your salvation. He is your comfort. He is your Savior. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is for you or against you? You who are older, who have waited so long to welcome Christ, do you believe He is for you? After all these years, is He still for you? And you who are younger, who can't imagine what it would be like to live so long waiting and watching for Jesus, do you believe that He's for you or against you? Well, we urge you with all your heart, Take Jesus in your arms with hope. Receive Him in your hearts by faith. Praise Him with your mouths in love. Give thanks to God, and you will find rest for your soul in Jesus Christ. So as you consider all that the Lord has done for you, I invite you to stand while we pray. O oh Lord, in you we take refuge. Let us never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver us and rescue us. Incline your ear to us and save us. Be to us a rock of refuge to which we may continually come. You have given the command to save us, for you are our rock and our fortress. Rescue us, O oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O oh Lord, are our hope, our trust, O oh Lord, from our youth. Do not cast us off in the time of old age. Forsake us not when our strength is spent. O oh God, be not far from us. O oh my God, make haste to help us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we ask and pray. Amen.